Really happy to be joined by Grant Skeldon. Grant, welcome. What's up, y'all? Yes. Oh, I love that, man. G'day. <laughs> G'day, mate. Yeah. Oh, you say good yeah, on you. Yeah, good on you. All that stuff, that'll all come out. Um, mate, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, great to be with you with so many people from around the world here at the Museum of the Bible. Yeah. Um, and we really appreciate you giving us some of your time. For those who don't know, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, my name is Grant Skeldon. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Um, I'm Mexican and South African. Uh, my mom's Mexican. My dad's South African. Uh, I have a huge heart for diversity, and but more, I have a huge heart for unity and diversity. Yeah. And so, uh, I although I usually get tagged for millennials, and uh, my heart is how do I get millennials discipled by the older generation? But I also have a huge heart for racial reconciliation and. Um, I would even maybe say occupational reconciliation is how do you get the church to recognize the marketplace as just as valuable as being a pastor and maybe in our generation even more valuable because most young people aren't even going to church so the yeah. most influential people are in the marketplace so what's your platform for doing all of that i mean it's great to have that passion but how, how do you exercise that what yeah so i have a program called 72 and it's based off luke 10 when jesus sent out the 72 and it said he sent them out into every town in every place and so for us those places are uh, some people call them the seven spheres seven mountains but it's business education politics yeah. arts and entertainment media family and church yeah. now uh, in America most of the seminaries that train people are I feel like seminaries are training pastors for the church yeah. um, and I wanted to train missionaries for the city yeah. and so wow. I don't focus as much on training church leaders there's some but I'm more focused on in in my context I found most of the young leaders uh, our largest groups are marketplace guys um, artists um, teachers and like kind of nonprofit work I would say yeah. Uh, but yeah it's 72 it's ba actually it's 80 young leaders now from 50 different churches wow. and they're in an eight-month program where they're eating together praying together uh, serving together getting trained together and the biggest one is they're being called to disciple someone together and so every one of them is required to disciple someone if they don't they get kicked out um, but we are trying to normalize discipleship among Millennials so that they'll be ready to disciple the Z generation yeah. So within those eight months, what does that look like? Is it one night a week or is it organic? Yeah, it's about two to three times a month. Um, okay. Every one of them applied to be a part of the program and yeah. got accepted. They had to show how they were impacting one of those areas. Okay. And so it's um, the most consistent one is actually prayer. Uh, I, yeah. I actually went to a movement day a couple of years ago and I saw that... Uh, there was a church planning breakout and yep. this was like four years ago there was a church planning breakout now you know, most young people if you've never noticed most church plants are young um, there's yep. not it's not that there's no old people but there tends to be mostly full of young people that young people want to be a part of something new change the city on all that to be said i went and there was like 300 young people in this breakout on church planning and mostly young and then i wanted to go to the prayer breakout because just see it was called prayer revivals so i went to that breakout halfway in and I left about 300 hipster millennial Christians yeah. trying to start churches yeah. to about like 20, maybe 30, not even Xers, but like boomers yeah, wow. and older generation. Wow. Yeah. And it kind of hit me that the older generation sees the power of prayer and the younger generation wants to try to do this. And mm. I asked the guy over the prayer revival, I said, hey, what? Why do you think there's no young people here at all? Why do you think all the young people are at the church planning mm. thing? And he kind of laughed and he said that that makes perfect sense. And he said this line I'll never forget is he said, when you're young, you think you can change the world. Yeah. But as you get older, you realize you can't change the world without the power of God. Yeah. yeah. And so going back to what they do a lot is every first Thursday, uh, we used to do it at 7 a.m. They would come together in a, ho on a home 
we would pray for our city. Now we do it at 7 p.m. because a lot of people <laughs> complain. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we That's pray hilarious. regularly for each other, yeah. for our relationship with the Lord, and then for our city. Uh, yeah. That we, we come, we do a lot of community and food together. Mm. In my opinion, um, it's not that heavy on a curriculum or on sp- people coming in to speak at them. There's a little bit of that, but it's really, really heavy on relationships. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, we don't lack like they're already talented great leaders i just want to introduce them to other talented great leaders Mm -hmm. and what i found is the more i can get them to trust each other the more they're going to hang out outside of those three to three times a month Mm -hmm. and when they get hang out with each other that's where god challenges them because whatever people you hang out with kind of develops the standards you live at yeah Mm -hmm. so i try to introduce the most dynamic diverse young leaders in dallas to each other and that automatically gets them to start living at a higher standard well it's interesting i think that's such a a key thing you've picked up on there you go to a church planning thing and there's 300 young people prayer and it's all the you know grey no- we call them grey nomads in Australia <laughs> grey what hair is it? Tra- grey nomads oh grey nomads grey hair who travel okay. a lot yeah um, how do you bring that together well tell me in your experience how do you, how do you get that, that that wisdom that experience that dependence of age together with that risk taking passion of young people yeah I would say honour uh, yeah. yeah a lot of honour yeah. I I, I am young. I look the young part, I guess, but like I love older people. Yeah. Um, I love being the youngest person in the room. I have been for maybe 10 years, 12 years of being a Christian. Yeah. Um, I had an older man right after I got saved ask me if he could disciple me. And so I feel indebted but to yeah, older wow. generations. My dad's not a Christian. Yeah. And so this man shaped me. Uh, if you In the beginning of my yeah. book, I actually, yeah. you always have to do an acknowledgement. And usually, I mean, it's hard. You get two pages to thank I mean, you get to choose who, but you feel like, oh, man, how can I thank everyone inadequately yeah. with one or two sentences? Yeah. And so to me, just being a millennial, I guess I want to do things different. As I said, I'm going to use those two pages. I'm just going to do pictures oh, of yeah, the guys cool. who and go- the women and God, yeah. big men that yeah. poured into me. And so they're not young people in there, but I have. I have a sincere honor for them, and I think they mm. can sense when there is sincere yeah. honor and respect. Yeah. And I call out my own generation. Yeah. Like, hey, you need to have more honor, and I would say you need to have more hunger. Like, yeah. don't, don't try to just learn from each other. Like, mm. go learn from yeah. older generations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's created a culture from older generations to pour into us more. Yeah, talk to us a bit more about this hunger. Um, we've both listened to a podcast that you've done, um, and you really talk about uh, millennials having hunger. What does that look like? Uh, what, well, I actually don't think most millennials do have hunger. No. I think that they, they, in America, a lot of millennials have gotten the benefit of not being hungry because at least in America, the parenting posture has kind of been very, we'll help you. We'll do yeah. it for you. Mm-hmm. We'll pay for that. You can yeah. stay in my house till you're 30. Um, you, it's a lot of like yeah. grace and it's yeah. good intentioned, but it kind of stops it stops them from being hungry. Um, for me, when I, I dropped out of college when I was younger, because I just felt like God was doing a lot more through my ministry and college was actually not teaching me at this specific college what I needed to know. And it was only putting me into debt. And I was like, I'm done doing this. Yeah, well. um, and so for me, I don't think that's for everyone, but for me, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying stay in school kids, <laughs> but um, for me, I dropped out and I, I thought I was going to be able to move in with my parents. I went home. My mom was cool with it. Uh, but when my dad got home and found out that I thought I was going to move in, he put all my stuff outside. Oh, and he said, you're so not awesome. moving in. You're not even staying one night here. He said, wow. you decided to drop out. Wow. So yep. you decide to figure out what's next in your life. Yeah, right. Okay. And, and at the time, I didn't like that. Yeah. But it really it made yeah. me be really wise about my next decisions. I didn't get to sit around thinking, 
okay, I'm going to find a job, but it's got to be a job I love. Um, that's what happens if I didn't have to pay the bills. Yeah. But I was like, I have to do whatever job will get food on the table and somewhere to sleep. And so uh, it also forced me to rely on the Lord a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's a reason why if we think about the seasons of our life where we are closest to God, they tend to be difficult seasons. Yeah. And so it's in the valley of shadow of death. We fear yeah. no evil because we're with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like when parents come and save their kids yeah. in those difficult yeah. times, they're saving them from the Savior. Yeah. And so for me, wow. uh, I'm trying to get young people to like be hungry, even though in a way, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's our parents' fault, but I'm saying we liked it. We accepted it. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, hey, I need to go do the hard things. Mm-hmm. And so what that does is it makes it where young people don't feel like they need to go learn from older generations mm. and they just kind of chill, which yeah. I think is the enemy's yeah. biggest temptation on young Christians yeah. is not getting us to sex, drugs, alcohol, all that kind of stuff, but just get us to kind of chill and yeah, wow. take our time to figure out what we want to do with our life yeah. mm. so that by the time we get married and have kids, we're just mm. like, you know what? I'll just do this. I just need to pay the bills mm. and it's not giving us life. It's not giving life to others. Mm. And we feel empty and we're comparing ourselves, and i feel like that's crippling young christians today personally yeah. so for, for the young generation listening to this podcast hopefully um what what advice would you give to put yourself in the position where you have to be dependent you have to see like if jesus doesn't come through here i'm screwed like is there some advice about how to not just think about this cognitively but actually put yourself in situations i mean to me the biggest thing that shifted my values and priorities and made me more hungry was actually stop hanging out with just young people and start hanging out with seasoned people um older people that because it changes your values i i joined this old uh it was all older guys bible study when i was 19 and at the end of the bible study it was at uh it was a 6 a.m. Bible study. It was at a place called Cracker Barrel, which yeah. is like a country spot. I don't know if they, okay. I don't know if they have it there. I guess they do. Okay. <laughs> no, they well, don't. No, they don't. But I lived, been, in, I lived in Dallas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we went to Cracker Barrel and um, at the very end of the Bible study, they'd always do a prayer request and you were supposed to really share what's actually your prayer request, like honest stuff for your yeah. life. And they were really raw and honest. But whenever yeah. it came to me, I'm 19. So at the time, it's like, oh, my girlfriend broke up with me <laughs> yeah. or my homework or this yeah. paper I got to write. It was all yeah. now, even at 28, I'm like, yeah, it was a joke. Um, but and so what they would always do is they'd be like, that's that's good, man. You're going to be good. You're going to be yeah, you're going to yeah, get yeah, through yeah. it. They pat me on my back. Yeah. And I felt kind of like it was a little bit patronizing. But yeah. I also knew they had good intentions. Yeah. And yeah. so um, what I started realizing is, okay, this isn't going to matter because mm. all of them don't feel like it really matters. And they've been there and they've done that. Yeah. So I started thinking, what really matters in their life? Like mm. when you're 50, 60, 70 years mm. old, what are these guys sincerely struggling with? And it usually had to do with relationships, especially with their family. Yeah. Mm. Um, just reconciling that, uh, just caring for their f- wife, their kids. Yeah. Um, a lot of it had to do with legacy, what they wanted to be remembered for and the character that they had yeah. and would be remembered for. If people <laughs> were actually at their like grave or at their mm. funeral, what they would actually say about them, not yeah, just well. the success they had. Yeah. And I started thinking about, man, how do I start focusing on those things? Not mm. when I'm 60 or 70, yeah. but like when yeah. I'm 19 wow. years old. Yeah. And I realized it's not going to be by hanging out with other 19-year-old kids. Yeah. It's going to yeah, be okay. by... Uh, doing this or reading this or yeah. getting this type of job or getting in the word or learning how to pray like they pray. And yeah. so uh, I think when you hold, hang out with older, wiser, hungry people, mm. you start to yeah. ask yourself, especially at 19, 
what will it require for me to be yeah. wise at that age and maybe even wiser if I start now. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a great place to start, I think. Yeah. 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 Now you've just released a new book, The Passion Generation. I've, I think I'm up to chapter two so far. Awesome. <laughs> so I um, haven't read it all before we've done this interview, but what's, what's the impetus behind writing this book? Uh, probably because everyone's talking about millennials, yeah. Yeah. except uh, millennials. <laughs> uh, honestly, I feel like everyone yeah. is talking about millennials. I've never talked to millennials where they're trying to talk about millennials. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's always the older people trying to talk about yeah. millennials, yeah. and they're making assumptions about uh, millennials this and that, and they don't know the source. And so what yeah. I found is it's a lot of research done, but yeah. there's not a lot of results. And yeah. there's a lot of, I say, statistics, but there's no solutions. Mm. Uh, even at different conferences like maybe this one mm. there's been a lot of non-millennials yes. talking yeah. about millennials yeah. so ye yesterday i posted i said uh stop talking about the next generation and let the next generation talk yeah, yeah. Uh, it'd be like why would we ever try to study I, th I joke that we study millennials like we study whales, <laughs> where they just yeah. migrate over here and migrate yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, and, yeah. They're, and they're like 80% of whales in 1980 used to be in this area. Yeah. But now in 2017, they're yeah. over here. And yeah. it's like millennials are different than whales because we can like speak. We yeah. can talk to you. We can <laughs> tell you man. this yeah. is why. Yeah, and yeah. I'm shocked yeah. that they don't say... Yesterday, someone spoke and yeah. they talked all about millennials and all they did was talk about these two yeah. millennials. And I thought, wouldn't it be awesome yeah. if you let those yeah, two yeah. millennials talk? Yeah. And yeah. that would be so inspiring. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not saying they're they're bad for, I mean, those people that spoke are great because they love millennials, mm. but I'm shocked by how often we don't have millennials share. Mm. Yeah. Even one thing that kept being said was they kept saying, what if one third of this crowd next year yeah. is millennials? Yeah. And I thought, what if one third of the stage yes. Yes. was millennials? Yes. I yeah. guarantee one third of the crowd will be then become yes. millennials. Totally. Yeah. And so yeah. um, all that to say, I just mm. have felt like millennials have been wildly misrepresented mm. um, by the older generation. And mm. therefore, it's a limited. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's just research, which is kind of like a... It's a well-defined problem. They have yeah. great research on how yeah. bad it is. Mm. Yeah. I want to give great solutions on how yeah. to fix it. Yeah. And so I wrote a book that is a book by millennial on millennials yeah. for non-millennials. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's for pastors, parents, and business leaders. Millennials could read it. And I think that I found that they really do like it, but they tend to read it and say, hey, I want my mom, dad, pastor, or yeah. boss to read yeah. this book. That's excellent. Give us a little taste for the book to, to get people to read it. Um, yeah. As in... Um, you know, we, you talked before when you were 19 and hanging out with these older guys and how great that was. From the attitude or from the perspective of those older guys, what's one thing that you would say to, and you've kind of said some of these things already, to, to be uh, more on the front foot, to stop talking about millennials and to start talking to millennials? Because we all know the statistics. And mm -hmm. in our country, it's similar to here. Yeah. They're leaving the church. We're pulling our hair out. Um, what would you say is the number one piece of advice? Yeah, I mean, I'll just tell you straight up that half the book is on the real problem uh, yeah. behind the millennial problem. And what that is, is I don't actually think we have a millennial problem. Mm. I think we have a discipleship problem. Yeah. And that discipleship problem has played itself out into a millennial problem. And okay. I think as long as the church does not take mm. making disciples seriously, and yeah. what I mean by that is measuring discipleship is a great yeah. place to start. Like mm. how many churches in Australia, how many churches in America could say, we know how many disciples we made in 2017. 
Because mm. I found most pastors have no idea how many disciples yeah. they made, even yeah. though that's literally in their mission statement. Like, yeah. we go yeah. and make disciples yeah. for the yeah. glory of God to impact <laughs> Seattle or New York or whatever. I'm like, do you think that Tesla has no idea how many mm. Tesla cars they made? Or yeah. Chick-fil-A doesn't know how many Chick-fil-A sandwiches mm. or McDonald's yeah. uh, or Starbucks, how many drinks they... They make mm. drinks and they measure it because yeah. they care about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're the only organization that says we make something and have yeah. no idea. We just like yeah, cross yeah, our sure. fingers and hope we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah. I would say, say the real problem is our discipleship problem. Yeah. And we will always have a next generation problem yeah. as long yeah. as we ignore and neglect discipleship. Mm. And I love, I think it was you, but forgive me if it wasn't, but um, Jesus didn't say when he was discipling, um, come and have a cup of coffee with me. He said, come and follow me. And I love when you talk about discipleship, it's not sitting down at the coffee club, Mm. going through the scriptures, but it's, you know, getting a younger person and taking them in life uh, with you. Yeah, for sure. And that's the key. Yeah. And I think, um, I think even conferences uh, and church, for example, I, it's the, the value of them are going down because content isn't as valuable as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like mentorship is if Jesus went to Peter and said, come and meet with me. Like, let's go get coffee and we'll talk about your sin and the mm-hmm. Bible and all mm-hmm. that, which is good. That is helpful. But mentorship is come and meet with me. To me, discipleship is come and follow me. Yeah. And most church or Christian events isn't even come and meet with me or come and follow me. It's just come, come and, and listen, listen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that's good maybe 20, 30 years ago when you couldn't just podcast them, YouTube them, it's Google yeah. search them. Yeah. But now it's like there's so much saturation of content towards millennials that that's not what I'm looking for is content, but relationships. Yeah. yeah. That's it's maybe millennials are maybe the most connected alone generation ever yeah. like how are they so yeah. connected but still feel yeah. alone and so how can we build relationships with older generations and connect mm-hmm. them to other solid godly yeah. driven hungry young yeah. leaders um that's where i think the church could be wildly set apart from mm-hmm. the rest of the world because there's no app yet yeah. for yeah, that sure, and i don't think sure. there ever will be no. an app for discipleship yeah, yeah. grant thanks so much mm-hmm. thank um, you it's been brilliant to talk to you and hear some of your heart the book is the passion generation yes um, grab a copy um because uh yeah it's been excellent. Thanks so much, mate. Thank you, guys. Thank yeah, you. Good on you.